I'm Gavin Babcock, and you're listening to the Amside Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Amside Podcast, powered by Ace Disc Golf. As always, we are your hosts, Rob and Dale. Dale, what have we got coming up on this week's show? Well, we are we're back with obviously a brand new episode. We've had a lot of uh, of disc golf being played over the last couple of weeks. Um, obviously, we had the first major of the year, uh, Champions Cup um, at WR Jackson, which was a stunning course. Um, and then we've also had uh, Jonesboro, which again is is back to that bomber type course with a few technical lines. I really uh, really enjoyed it. Um, and obviously, we're, we're back with a brand new guest. And I was very excited this week about our, our guest. It's the first time we've really had someone on the podcast who was relevant at the time, you know? you know something had just happened um, with them, and he had absolutely smashed the Champions Cup. Um, so Gavin Babcock uh, sat down to talk with us. So, yeah, another another action-packed, fun show, mate. Yeah, I know what you mean. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say relevant at the time, because I think a lot of our guests, but I think um, someone that was very much on the lips of everyone when we yeah. sat down with him. Um, the conversation, obviously, uh, we'll get onto it in just a second, but he was all over Joe Biz, he was all over Instagram. Uh, so it was great that we can sort of contribute to that sort of uh, media swirl, if not a couple of weeks later. Um, but no, we had Champions Cup at WR Jackson. Now, this course is immediately on my bucket list. Um, yeah. Obviously, not having played disc golf for years and years and years this is really the first time i've got to take a look at the course um and honestly it's up there with maple hill for me it's it's stunning it's perfection in the woods because it's wooded but it's not punishing it's only punishing if you throw a bad shot which obviously we saw a few of those this weekend but we also or that weekend but we also saw some phenomenal disc golf being played now it's the first time this major's taken place um which obviously had the, let's say, the risk of not feeling like a major, because obviously we know uh, with the sort of the pro, um, what's the All Star event? Obviously, it still hasn't got quite that sort of clout that an event could have. But I think this one came in sort of all fists swinging. It felt like a major. Um, obviously, the names were there, the talent was there, and um, yeah, just such a good event to watch. Yeah, it was, it was a great, great weekend of disc golf. Um, I don't know about you, but I really like a four-day uh, event, you know, because all golf tournaments are four days. Um, so it, it surprised me we're still working on three-day events. I mean, in the future, I'd love to see four-day events with a cut after two days, like, you know, the PGA Tour. Um, so you've really got to push yourself. But you're right, the course was spectacular. Um, you, you, you had to hit your line if you didn't. You were you were out of position, and you you're still probably playing for par, but you're just playing for you know a hard par. Um, but some of the holes were just I wouldn't even know what to do. No, absolutely, it's uh, well we'll get on to some of the winners and people that definitely hit their lines, but it's exactly that. If you were out of position, it was just scramble city, which is obviously quite interesting for us because obviously the lines that you have to hit actually need a bit of distance as well. So we saw a lot of. Um, obviously gap hitting at sort of a, a quite a decent distance away, which means is that a course that's accept, accessible for players like us? If we went, would we play off, say, the short tees, for example? Because actually um, the championship course obviously is so testing, not just for the disc golf community, but for the, the pros that are touring. So it'd be interesting to 
get over there, play that course myself and really see how it changes. Because obviously well, it's easy to look at sort of Calvin or, or, or Ricky and say, oh yeah, they, they should have hit that gap. It's, you know, it's a gap that's five metres wide, but 200 metres away or something crazy, you know, but they, they, they're they gaps that they should be hitting. Now, I would dream of hitting a gap like that. So yeah. it is interesting. Maybe the sort of the layout plays, etc. Maybe just sort of take bogey on every hole because that's sort of something that I'd have to accept before I played it. But yeah. no, beautiful, beautiful course. And as we say, it makes for interesting disc golf. It's the polar opposite of Vegas. And I think uh, Gavin later on in his interview sort of says that it's not wide open disc golf. It's pure show us your skills disc golf. It, it, it's showing what your disc can do, you know. It, it was crazy. I saw there's a lot of turnover lines, and I saw a lot of players throwing turnovers instead of a forehand. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to find out why that was, because people like um, I was watching Brody Smith um, playing practice rounds, and he and him and Ezra love forehands, yet they were opting for that sort of backhand, um, which was I thought like a little bit unusual. Um, because for forehand dominant players, they were they they were acting, actively going for the backhand. Absolutely. Well, let's get on to the winners then. So obviously on MPO we had Chris Dixon take it down. This he's now a two-time major champion, and it was just textbook. That's how you finish around. You know, he had the strokes to play with. He didn't go for glory. He didn't go for the eagle on eighteen. He threw a phenomenal shot. I don't. I think people that have been saying that's a layup. Like sort of his say his drive was almost like a layup. I think kind of or kind of insulting to the play. It was yes, he he disked down and he sort of made a very sensible shot. But um, yeah, true true golfer. You know he he took he took his moment to attack. He stuck to his game plan. I assume uh, I assume so anyway. And uh, yeah, obviously Chris Dixon been on the show before. Um, and so happy because obviously every season we're talking about new discs, new sponsor, adapting to it. And we I think we've said in previous episodes a couple of weeks ago, it's like a duck to water. Yeah. Discraft just matches his hand better than no other player with a disc out on Absolutely. the course right now. Yeah, there, there is no one out there that's, that's... I don't think we've seen someone move to a, to a new manufacturer and play as well as he did. You know, yes, James Conrad won Worlds, but... He didn't win anything else apart from that. You know, Chris Dickinson's already won two Silver Series events and a major this year. So, fair play to him. He is smashing it. He is... You can see he's actively loving life out on out on the road. You know, Discraft giving him that opportunity to be able to really tour this year. And you can tell that he is, he is comfortable and, uh, and playing well. And one thing that I've noticed, and I actually sent it to the uh, the group of disc golfers that we have on WhatsApp, is when Discraft put out their Jonesboro promo sort of post on Instagram, it was page to the left, pull to the right, and Dixon front and centre. And I think we're going to be talking all season about this. Who is top dog at Discraft? Because if it keeps going the same way that it has been, obviously you can't take anything away from Paul Beth, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Because although he didn't take down this major, he made his mark phenomenally. But it's, it's it's interesting. Dixon is just outperforming every single weekend at the moment. So obviously, Discraft invested heavily in, in Macbeth. And I'm not saying that was a mistake. Macbeth, obviously, one of the greatest players that we've ever seen on the course. But that sort of power struggle is going to be really interesting just to witness this year. 
Yeah, no, you're right, and um, yeah, he's a five times world champion. He he does he does dominate. I just I'm getting a bit frustrated um, that what he's doing this year is that he's he's not playing great for the first round or two, and then comes in in the last round and absolutely you know foot to the foot to the floor and accelerates. But it's a little bit too late, too um, too much, too late. You know, he shot a 16 down at Wr Jackson, a 16 down. Is. Arguably one of the greatest rounds of disc golf ever played. A lot of people are saying the yeah. same thing. Um, lucky enough, someone was there recording B-roll of Paul playing and decided to shoot every single shot. So the entire round was captured on film. Go watch it. It's textbook disc golf. And that's what I mean. I, I don't mean anything uh, against Paul Macbeth dropping off. I just think the Dickinson-Macbeth conversation is an interesting one. Yeah. Macbeth is clearly a superior disc golfer. Yeah. To and, and and arguably superior as anyone else in the field. Uh, there's obviously the debates who's the best in the world, but his his name is always in the mix, and and rounds like that show it. But I do think there is a um, as you say, uh, something to overcome about just getting off those starting blocks because yeah. we've seen incredible incredible rounds from him. But obviously, just make sure he can string it together throughout the throughout the whole yeah. tournament. You know, disc golf isn't a one day event unless you're no, it's not. Playing sort of these, unless you're playing a one dayer, but on the pro tour, there isn't any one yeah, day, yeah. one day events. Now, um, one thing we did see before we got into the FBO is incredible mix of names coming through as well. Obviously, we have Gavin that we spoke to um, uh, earlier in the week, and we just we'll, we'll play that interview in just a moment. But also people like Corey Ellis. You know, we had uh, names that if you you heard those names said, you would they would ring a bell. Obviously, they're sort of their on the list or within within the sort of the scorings at these events. But it was nice to see these guys on coverage, nice to see some new faces, some new names getting spoke about on coverage because a lot of time people are talking about these these people coming through the ranks and actually matching the names that we hear every single week. No, and I think we're seeing it. We're seeing it a lot this year where, where people are rising through through the leaderboards and are, are getting top finishes that we haven't seen before. And that, and to me, I'm enjoying that more. I'm enjoying seeing other names out there. Um, I'm enjoying seeing the battles with with everyone um, when it comes to sort of the the MPO fields. And I think Paul, you know, he got his 16 down. He was unlucky. I, I generally think that that round is better than his round at Memorial. Yet Memorial was 1100, and his his other ones are 1092. It doesn't make sense. Arguably, his 16 down beats anything that he did at Memorial, in my opinion. Absolutely, and and actually, one name that I we I can't leave unmentioned obviously Casey White was taking the lead after day one someone that yes we know a little bit more about because of his presence on on YouTube and obviously a lot of the content he's filmed with Simon Azot but again a name that in coverage we've seen a little bit but not a lot of so is that might just be a case of you know getting used to the coverage getting used to the cameras getting used to the pressure of leading a tournament uh, but I've no doubt we'll see him back up there again consistently oh. in, this year I don't, I don't, I don't doubt that at all. And you talking about the sort of coverage and stuff is is something we sort to gavin about, you know, because it is, it is, it is new to him. Um, but moving on to to arguably one of the most, um, I don't know what the word is, contentious, it was contentious. It was nail biting. It was heartbreaking. I don't. There's so many words that can describe it. But what a what a final round we had of the Champions Cup on the FPO side. Yeah, so I was watching this under a dinner table because I was actually out for Sunday lunch. It was Easter Sunday, 
Um, I remember but... texting you saying, "Look, I don't want to spoil it for you, but are you are you seeing this?" So I was uh, I was watching a sort of uh, under the table, and occasionally I'd sort of jutter or, or, or sort of jump, and someone would sort of say, "Oh, something's happening in the disc golf," because I didn't try and hide it. Everyone knew that I was following. Uh, I was following along as best I could, but. You know, this is what we've been screaming for, this competition at FPO. I, I will say, and you know what, I will say the Europeans, because actually like, um, there has been moments across the season already that it's not just Kristen, but we aren't seeing runaway wins anymore, which is fantastic. I think we might have had one out of the several events we've had this season, but we're pretty much seeing a battle every single week now on FPO, which is yeah. absolutely what we want, because... I don't know about you, Dale, but FPO coverage this season for me is so much more exciting than NPO currently. I'm, I'm here so for it. I'm loving before. it. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad they... they uh, we spoke to... Um, I can't remember who we spoke to last year. I think it might have been Christine Jennings about um, you know bringing M- MPO, uh, FPO forward, so before NPO, because you'll get so many more people watching it because it's earlier in the day. People are going to want to sit down and, and watch it. And I'm, I've always been a massive fan of, of FPO. Um, I've always enjoyed it. I always used to watch it afterwards. Um, but yeah, for sure, it, it, it's quality. Um, the battles we are seeing week in, week out. Names, you know, we're seeing Christian Tatar out there, Paige Pierce, Katrina Allen, uh, Missy Gannon, you know, everyone's out there battling for those wins. And I I had Christian Tatar to win that on that Sunday. I, I was watching it thinking, she's got this. Walking... Walking down uh, 17 with a one-stroke lead, I-, I didn't think that trophy could have been hers. I, I, th- I think we all thought the same. Obviously, Paige was able to sort of keep her cool and uh, and manage to take it down on, on hole 18 with Kristen having someone very unfortunate sort of uh, first not an ideal driver and not an ideal upshot. Uh, then obviously deciding to, r- to run the sort of the circle's edge C2 putt um, to win it, missing, and then obviously sort of turning into a little bit of a, a three-putt situation. At that point, her head had already dropped in. You know, she, you'd almost conceded after that first misputt. But obviously, that's incredible for Paige, 16 times major champion, matching the all-time record, uh, I think, with um, Valerie Jenkins. So yeah. uh, her, um, her and Valerie both on 16, and I have no doubt that the record's going to be Paige's within a matter of majors. Yeah. It might be the next one, but if not, it'll definitely be this year. I believe Paige will sort of uh, be the all-time uh, major winner in terms of amount of majors won. But yeah, obviously this uh, this win wasn't without controversy. Now, yeah. um, I'm sure if you're listening to the show, you are a fan of disc golf. You follow people on, on Instagram and social media you would have heard about the situation with the Lane King. Now, obviously, I've always been Elaine's side. I think she's a fantastic commentator, and I really hope that this instant doesn't mean she's out mm. of the box. You know, I, I, I think, well, I think she's messed up massively. And then I think, but go listen to Smashbox with Elaine King. Go listen to Nick and Matt show. They, they all talk to, they've talked to Paige, they talk to Elaine. They talk, they talk about these situations and, they ask about the opinions and the reasonings much more than we're ever going to get onto in this show. So uh, if you do want to know more about that, there's definitely podcasts out there that really deep dive with the people that were there. Um, the one thing I would say, which I found really interesting, is um, when on, when on page, uh, page interview with Nick and Matt show, she said that 
every single person that would have made a call was watching that round live. They were walking around the card. So like the head of the PDGA, multiple rules officials, all of the players through multiple holes had no issue with Kristen's daughter being there. Um, Paige even said that she didn't understand what the, what the issue is. So um, obviously that, that sort of my mindset, and I think uh, they, they, they mentioned it on, on Smashbox, which is if you have a child with you and they... They misbehave, they distract. That should be a courtesy violation, just like if you were maybe shouting or distracting. So I think maybe the text messaging mentioning disqualification might have actually ruffled a few few feathers or maybe sort of, you know, caused some some distress, which might not be necessary. So who knows? You know, I, I, I don't like hearsay. I don't like people saying that if that didn't happen, Kristen would have won because we know Paige. Paige is clutch. You know, she we, we know that she can throw the shots when it counts. Um, but I kind of hope that this can all be put put aside. Uh, obviously, Kristen will get onto Jonesboro, took down Jonesboro. So it's not like she's going back to Europe without a win. She's she's on the Pro Tour. She's up there. She, if she's not first, she's second. If she's not second, she's third. But every single weekend, she's in the conversation. And again, confident that a major is going to be hers this year. Oh, absolutely, mate. Um, you know, she's an incredible player. Um, she's a very gracious player as well. You know listen to her afterwards she's gutted um you know it's hard to watch and i know and i think Paige Paige knew that as well and her and her um sort of thank you she didn't expect i don't think Paige expected the win i don't think Paige wanted to win like that um but well it happened you know, to her at worlds worlds it yeah, was the exact same exact same situation you know it was a, a, a shot that threw it away so it, it wasn't so much that the player won that major it was that the other person lost, lost that major yeah. Uh, which obviously isn't what you want to see in sport, but it doesn't mean right. that the, it doesn't mean the other person didn't win. They still, you know, they still kept their cool. They still made the shots where it counted. But moving on to Jonesboro, uh, obviously we've just we just finished that weekend. Now disclaimer: you can tell me anything that happened at Jonesboro, and I'll believe you because I did not watch any of it. I was too busy out in London on my stag do. Um, Rob trying to keep me sane with you disc over the weekend, but. Um, you know, I, I watched the final day. I watched a bit that mattered. Um, but anything else apart from that, you could tell me anything. Yes, like I said, it was just stag due. I was uh, I was also along for the ride. It was a great day out. But obviously, we won't go too much into what happened. Alcohol was what's, consumed. What, hap- what happens on the stag stays in the stag. <laughs> exactly that. But I was definitely checking you, Disc, because uh, things were popping off. And I was sort of showing you my screen. I don't know if you saw it through blurry eyes. And you were always, you'd always respond with some slurred words. But... You know what? I could like the things that I could tell you that sound unbelievable happened. Lazot, yeah. Lazot might be back, ladies and gentlemen, shooting a thirteen down. Now it should have been a fourteen down. Unfortunately, he just uh, took a bogey on hole eighteen. But that's that. It was going to. It was four course record. You know, Lazot. It was almost like he hadn't been anywhere. That's the person that we love to watch. The person we love to watch on coverage. Um, I believe as we're recording this. Um, and I hope post coverage is out very soon. But there's the uh, the big money skins match um, yes. at Eagles Crossing, which obviously Eagle Man is injured and has had to pull out. But Simon Azot's filling that space. Um, so you know what? I genuinely believe this might be the resurgence of Lazot. You know, he's he's gone through injury. He's taken his time. I really hope he's back because he is just an incredible character to watch. Um, I often 
sort of talk about sort of Simon lines, they're not just funny, but they're actually great to watch because the course is played differently through his eyes. Um, it's also fun watching the cameramen trying to work out where he's throwing and trying to set up for the shot because they often don't manage to capture his shots because of how bizarre the lines he takes are. But you know what? Yeah, incredible round from him. Um, and again, names that we've sort of discussed on the show, not really sort of pulling through Kevin Jones, you know, obviously uh, they, they call him Kevin Jonesborough, you know, he's like, it's his local course, he's an Arkansas boy, um, just sort of showing what he hasn't been doing the beginning of this year, but what we know he can do. Um, I believe he was sort of tied for first in, in, in the final round for some point of time. And of course, the winner, my boy, <laughs> Your boy. Calvin Heimberg. Thank you. This guy has got one of the highest averages of finishing in tournaments in the Pro Tour. I think if not the highest average finish position without a win. So Calvin taking it down. He's known for being stone cold with his emotions. But we said before recording this, his eyes were glazing over. He was smiling. You know, the emotions were just breaking through. You could tell what this win finally meant for him. Oh, absolutely! He he was talking through through tears, and he was like, "No, no wins felt as big as this one." Um, you know, he hasn't had a big win since sort of Ledstone last year, Jonesboro last year, uh, sorry, year four. Um, and he is he is it's great to see because he is he's a consistent player. He's a very good player, um, and he and he's always up there. He's always close, no cigar, but he got his cigar this time, and um, it, it, it was great. Um, obviously. The reason he won is because Paul McBeth slipped, according to Paul McBeth, uh, on the tee pads. But Calvin, Calvin threw off the same tee bag, a tee bag, tee pad, and um, and still managed to part the hole and, and take the win. So, Paul, we'll take a pinch of salt. Um, but come on, no more excuses. Well, you got to, you also got to remember the frustrations that Paul must have. That's the, the second major in a row where it's gone to playoff, and he's um. Obviously, obviously, just missed out in in the playoffs. So, I guess that frustration does build. I mean, yes, Calvin threw off the same tee pad, and that was my initial thought. Is of if if the tee pad was bad, then it doesn't matter if they're both people have to deal with that situation. Now, if it was loosened by a pull, for example, and it slipped on Paul's shot, then Calvin then had a bit of a almost a wind read for the tee pad. So you could argue that that was an advantage, but you, you know, it's. It, it's it's so hard to call. What do you do in that situation? You can't rethrow. You know, the, the t- there's nothing the TDs can do. It's, I mean, we we play in the UK where tee pads are, are mud, concrete, and grass. Like you it's know, hilarious when we put videos out on Instagram and all, all the Americans are saying, you know, wow, that's the world's smallest tee pad. I'm like, nope, that's normal for the UK. We don't we don't have tee pads over here. Um, so you've got it lucky, guys. Because we're throwing off very wet turf. Well, hey, maybe if you maybe if it's the tee pads that play make mean if you play good or bad. Maybe me and you are just incredible disc golfers. We're just not playing off pro tour tee pads. As soon as we get a tee pad, we're we're ten fifty three boys. Easy, easy. <laughs> Calvin Ho, Paul McHoo, yeah. you know, we'll come over and we'll, we'll absolutely dominate Europeans on the way. But um, talking about people that have, have, you know, dominated, well, I wouldn't say dominated, but have absolutely smashed it this year so far, uh, is our guest today, uh, Gavin Babcock. 
Now, really excited to sit down with him. Um, and I think it's a really it's a really good episode to talk about actually where where he comes from from disc golf and you know and what his sort of his background is. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, Gavin Babcock. Ladies and gentlemen, Gavin Babcock. Gavin, welcome to the Amside. Thank you very much. So, well, it's, it's a pleasure to have you. So, we get all of our guests to do a little bit of an introduction to yourself. You know, we uh, we like to have you tell the world who you are. So, in the world of disc golf, who is Gavin Babcock? Uh, rookie. I mean, I mean, rookie's rookie's a loose term. Uh, still, still the new guy. But I'm 23 years old from Altoona, Iowa. Uh, this is my first full year on tour. Been playing disc golf for seven years. Um, graduated from Central College in Pella, Iowa, just a little D3 school, uh, and uh, always always played sports, played football, baseball up until sophomore year of high school, and then wrestled for 15 years, and found disc golf in 2016, been playing ever since. That's awesome, man. You alluded there that you, you wrestled, um, and obviously you went to college. Um, was, it, was it business you did in college? Yep. Yep, I got a marketing major and a music minor. Just kind of fell into that. But <laughs> so you're musical as well as uh, as business minded. Um, but when you was in college, did you did you play disc golf whilst out there? Yeah, there's a there's a fun little like I'm trying to think probably like a par fifty five course on campus and uh, and yeah, I mean I'd, if it was a nice day out, I was out there all the time or at least just over on hole eighteen like putting and. There's some uh, some guys on the team that love disc golf. Just some just some chuckers and get like a large group and go play some mob golf or something. But yeah, I was always always trying to play. Nice. So um, was it sort of college that you got into disc golf? Is that sort of where you started, or was it afterwards? Or you know, how did you sort of balance it? Was it was it wrestling then disc golf? Because a lot of a lot of the people we talked to are like, you know, I was in college, I was throwing disc every day. Um, but for you, wrestling was was the main thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Because even in, even in high school, like it was just kind of when wrestling ended, it was like, okay, sweet, I get to play disc golf again. And so, like for the longest time, I would just like not really play from like October until around March, or like I might get a few rounds in over winter break if there wasn't snow on the ground or something. But um, yeah, and then in college, it was still like wrestling is a primary focus and is kind of the whole reason I went to that college and uh and yeah and then like as I got older and kind of wanted to keep progressing in disc golf I kind of made more and more time for it like during wrestling just whenever there was a chance I'd at least go putt and uh and then I always had a basket at home so anytime I was home I was like in my basement throwing putting and uh and then yeah and then junior year of college after that season uh, I kind of figured out that I wanted to kind of start trying to see if I could give this a shot. And then senior year rolled around and with COVID and everything, I, uh, our season already like nationals was canceled. So I was like, the end goal of that isn't even like, I can't even work for like wanting to want to win a national championship or anything. So I just figured I'd save my body and commit to disc golf. And that's what, that's what we did. Wrestling's, um, I, I don't know wrestling. I, I don't know, especially for me over in the UK and Dow, you might feel the same. It's, it seems such an American thing, um, yeah. so that's not really a. 
I w- obviously, I'm sure we do have that style of wrestling here in the UK, but like that is very much you sort of watch see these high school films or high school TV shows, the sort of the wrestling team. I guess it's the full unitard and those like ear defender things, the helmets. Is that yeah. Are you <laughs> telling me he didn't dress up every week as with like masks and stuff? Is that not what wrestling is? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, just the, yeah, had the singlet headgear. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, I mean, America, Russia, Iran, um, and I mean, I'm, I'm missing some, missing some big countries just off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, not really, I guess I don't really see too many like things about it in, in the UK, but, um, I mean, are you guys more, more football and was, do you guys have rugby? Are you guys big into rugby or? Massive into rugby. Yeah. Yeah. R- yeah. Rugby, those... f- football, the, the, the proper football, you know, the round one. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, well, I guess, I guess one thing that's uh, strange about the UK is like, um, so field hockey, I think in the U- U.S., like field hockey is seen as quite like a girls' sport, but actually over here, it's like um, uh, it's extremely popular. Cricket, right, male and female. We're good at cricket. cricket. There you go. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so we have um, we we have we have quite a few, but I'm sure um, I don't know. Have you ever tried to pin Kevin Jones? I don't know who's. Uh, is there anyone that you've take, tried to take down on the Prodigy team? Um, no one. No one on Prodigy. Luke Sampson. Uh, he he played baseball in college. He's a big guy, but we've huge. He he's always he's always. Uh, came up to me and given me crap before, but we've we've went at it a few times. <laughs> but no one nice. else. And Nico Nico said we need to. We, I mean, he's he's not afraid of anybody, but Nico is always saying we need to scrap sometime. So <laughs> I'm sure that'll. Pro- pro- I'm sure that'll Nico eventually... though, if it's uh, if you if you have to pin for like ten seconds in wrestling, Nico will take about two minutes, right? Because that's the sort of the. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, I, I freaking love that guy. But yeah, fantastic. Well, going on to something, I well, I, I don't want to disrespect it by saying it's not a sport. But something you've also done is um, kendama. You've we've seen you on your sort of Instagram. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to say playing with a kendama because I don't know that make that might undermine it. But using and showing some pretty impressive skills with a kendama. Now, something that we've sort of alluded to and other players uh, playing sport previously before getting into disc golf is the sort of um, the question was do you benefit or do other sports bring anything into disc golf? Now, I'm curious, the Kendama, do you feel like that gives you hand-eye coordination, maybe some touch in their approach shots? Do you think it brings anything or is it just something fun you like to do on the side? Uh, it started out as something fun and then, like, there's, a, I mean, I've kind of, I don't know, like, it, I didn't think anything of it, but apparently I was, like, started to progress at a fast, like, rate. And, uh, but I'm just, like, stubborn and if i can't get something then i just like work but at first it was just something fun i like to do that i could grind outside of disc golf but it is like it's so hand-eye coordination and small like fine-tuned movements and like very tedious and all these crazy different stall points and tricks you can do and and uh it's it's i, I think it's helped it's helped a lot just to like because there is this like zone you can get in like playing kendama where you just like everything starts to move slower and you're hitting like certain tricks easier. And, um, and it definitely is like, if my, my brain feels like a little fuzzy or something, then I'll like play Kendama a little bit until everything starts to move slower. And then I'll like go start to putt or like right when I wake up just to like wake up my brain or something, I'll play Kendama or people get on their phones during backups. And I always have one in my bag and pull that out. And it's, I think it's been a huge help because not only is it, 
um, just keeping my mind warm, but like, it is just, uh, like, I don't know, Kendama, the, the, they call them Dama squats. Cause it is, it's a lot more of like legs than you think of like receiving and just like getting like a flow pattern, but just keeping everything like slightly loose and, uh, yeah. And just keeping the mind warm. It's helped a lot. Well, I guess that, that does translate quite strongly then, because obviously with putting, it's about, it's not just about the arm, it's about, yes, it's about quick twitch muscles, but it's about using your legs as well. It's about using your body's momentum to sort of throw that putt. So actually, I guess having that quite finely controlled actually from a small wooden ball, I guess it that sort of, that does sort of change. So it's interesting to see that, yeah, that could potentially bring sort of skills into putting, which, or just sort of in general, that people aren't necessarily seeing, seeing as more of a sort of a cup and ball game. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely just to make sure like, cause there's so many different movements that have to happen at like the same time for things to, to work. And so, I mean, just to, if like those are aligning, then yeah, like putting, which are much bigger movements should be, I will say you're a very hard man to. Um, so when I was uh, putting the ask the pro on Instagram, trying to find a picture of you, it was like you leave multiple lives because it was sort of uh, there was Kendama magazine that had an article on you. There was re- there was a wrestling multiple wrestling articles on you. There was disc golf, and I was like, wait, is this is it? Am I am I looking at three different athletes here? Or is it one guy? And then, but it was the, the sort of the, just the same cheeky smile on every article. I was like, oh no, this guy does it all. It's <laughs> oh, a man of many talents, many talents. Now, uh, Gavin, so I'm going to be real with you. So you're the first person we've had on um, that has really boomed that week. So obviously you've just come off a really hot Champions Cup, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I want to step back a little bit um, and obviously talk about Waco. Now, probably disappointment for you, 83rd didn't cash. That's very wooded compared to WR Jackson, which is an extremely wooded course. Mm-hmm. Was that in your head whilst going to WR Jackson, knowing that, you know, didn't have the best performance in Waco, but knowing that you wanted to perform at Champions Cup? No. I mean, anything that's happened in the past, I don't think about because it's done. Nice. And there's nothing there's nothing that I can do to change it. Try telling and, Rob uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a... Uh, yeah, I think, I think the biggest advantage I have over everyone, because, like, I, I mean... I don't know. My, my sidearm I think is, is pretty solid, but I mean, my, my backhand has like a long way to go and that's the, the biggest area I think my game can improve, but I think I've always had an advantage over everyone just on like my mindset over everything. And I, 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 I mean, I personally love seeing other people that get crazy upset on the course because that's, I mean, it's like, all right, like he's already beaten himself and then he's just going to slowly start. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, anything like Waco, I mean, as soon as that week's done is fresh start. So, I mean, I can't, I can't think of anything like that. And uh, Waco is extremely windy, like every single day. And if your shots aren't perfect, you'll get exposed real quick. And uh, I definitely wasn't throwing perfect shots that weekend, but um, WR Jackson was just um, extremely fun. I had a really good game plan and I've been, I mean, and that, the other thing is I've changed, I changed my putt, um, since Waco, I actually changed it. Like, I think the week of Texas States. And so from there on, I've kind of had like a different putting stroke that's been working a lot better. And, uh, and then just my backhand, uh, Gannon Burr's always been helping me with that. And so still just trying to, trying to get the hang of that. And that's starting to slowly as well, feel better. And everything's just kind of progressed like I kind of expected it to throughout the throughout the start of the season. 
So talk me through going into Champions Cup then, because obviously now it, it was it was star studded. I, I, I don't tell you that. I mean, every every name that needs to be named in disc golf was playing that weekend. Um, co- coming into that, what's the sort of the feeling? Is it a okay? I have these to compete against, or is it I'm going to compete about my compete against myself? And did you almost surprise yourself when you found yourself on like that high up on the list, sort of seeing the names that were there that week? Yeah, I mean, looking back at it, it's it's a it's an amazing achievement, and I mean, I I really try not to have any expectations going in because, like, I I only had I played Open at Tallahassee the week before, so I had I think Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to to practice, and Monday was just feeling the course. Tuesday was more of a game plan, and Wednesday was like a scoring round. But like, I never really got a good feel for what I was capable of I knew I could birdie every hole um but which is like the main thing I try to do is just to make sure I can birdie every hole so and and even if just just to know that I can get hot at any point in the course is kind of like a uh just a a nice feeling to have but um yeah we had some really slow practice rounds and um and just kind of got drained by the end of each one so I, i I knew that I wasn't playing like up to my potential in practice, but starting out with just like a, a six under, it was like felt kind of just all right. And I missed some shots. I felt like I definitely should have got, but um, yeah. And then it helped the round two I played with. It was all prodigy card. It was Thomas, Thomas Gilbert, Lance Brown and Austin Hannum. So it was just like a super fun card. And Austin started like six through six. And I started five through six and I was like, I love having someone to like feed off of like that. And so that helped a lot and shot like a nine down. And then our buddy that flew out for the event uh, later that night was like, was like, well, is it repeatable? I was like, I was like, like, yeah. And then I was like thinking about it more and about like, like no matter what happens, even if I don't start five through six, like you can still like get to hotter than that. And it was kind of like a, just a little confidence change, like midweek, it, just that like nice little nine down just really helped me. I don't know. It was weird. It just like flip flopped everything. My game was feeling good. And I was like, there's no reason I can't do that again. And then shot an 11, which was started six, yeah, six for six and shot an 11, which was, I mean, uh, more, more than what I, I thought I was going to put down if I'm being honest. And then going in the last day, I was, it's like I, I think I can, I think I can win this. There's no reason I can't. And so I tried my hardest, and it was just a, a whole change of confidence and trust in my game, and I, it was, it was a great feeling. Yes, I mean, it was, it was awesome to watch, and it was awesome. I love it when it happens when there's a name that, that comes up that people haven't heard of before, you know, and they're on the lead card, and we have people. Now they have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we we have we have pros on on the podcast week in week out. They're on lead coverage all the time. You know, for you, how was that? How did that, did it change your mentality? You know, talk me through being on that lead car, being filmed for Jomez, being filmed, you know, for, for 10, 15,000 people be it watching at a time. What was that feeling like? Um, it was, it was amazing. I mean, I, even just from wrestling, like I love having the, like all eyes on you factor and just the feeding off the crowd and, um, and I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big firm believer of everything happens for a reason. I almost didn't go to Tallahassee, um, just so I could get more practice at the course, but 
uh, I went to Tallahassee and made lead card second round there. So that was the first time of having like, a, um, well, I guess second time, but it was just like a, another reminder of just like the feeling of having cameras on you and everything. And I think it, like having that the week prior helped on yeah. top of, um, yeah, on top of like, I, I honestly think I play better with the crowd because like even third whole 13 Calvin hit like a, like a 50, 60 footer for birdie. And then like, I know I was next, but like, the crowd had like boom whackers and they were hitting just went nuts. And I was like, I want that feeling so bad. And I was like, it, it just felt like I was going to make the putt before it was even in and then hit the step putt. And it was just like, it's so easy to feed off the crowd. And just as long as you stay positive, calm, stick your game plan, don't try anything like hero shots. Um, it's very easy to get in like a flow state kind of on the, on those lead cards. That's really interesting. Cause it's again, drawing from that previous sporting experience so yeah. you've had you've had the crowds you've, you've you've had that sort of that spotlight as you say so it's not so much trying to deal with this now when we had chris dixon on the show obviously he one thing he mentioned was actually having to deal with that spotlight because obviously his his incredible disc golf ability means that he's in that he's in that space but it's something he had to get used to yeah um and and just something i had just for this phone call a theory that i have is that um we're seeing so many more and more disc golfers create YouTube content now, right? So the their, pra- their practice rounds or just their life when they're not necessarily playing a tournament is also about being in front of the camera. So I think uh, there's something that needs to be said about normalizing that sort of that crowd, that camera sort of in front of you, because you've surely got to think that if you're comfortable with that, like you said, oh, I'm going to hit this step up because actually I want, I want that attention. I want those cameras. Then, yeah, it's definitely a, a, an added benefit that you might not think about. Yeah, it's it's like your one chance to to show off without looking like looking like you're like trying to like trying to show off or anything. It's just like your one free chance to like show what you can do and it's such a good feeling when you're able to execute and just have everyone just like just kind of go nuts for a second and uh it's it's like an it's an addicting feeling to have for sure. Well, I keep seeing on um on Instagram obviously that your sort of clips of your round are making the rounds. Um, and especially, I think it was a uh, big German Jomez says like cameras aren't phasing this guy. You know, first time on Jomez, this guy's not getting phased. And I think uh, people are praising you for that. So it's quite interesting that actually that's what you wanted. So not only are they praising you for it, it's what you wanted. So it's not like you're going out of your way or having to make a sacrifice. Yeah. So it's sort of a per- perfect, perfect scenario. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it helps like, cause Gannon, Gannon and I, when we play practice rounds and stuff, we'll always be like, all right, like gannon for the world championship or oh like to win it and just like put those like little fun pressure putts just to or like he'll he'll get like a camera like real close to my face or something and like be videoing and like and then if i miss then he's got that video just to like do whatever with it just like for fun but um yeah i mean i think little things like that and practice round stuff help to just like going through routine and just be like, all right, for the world championship or for this. And just like, I mean, all little, little kids do it and stuff. And I, I still like doing that stuff just to get like some added pressure just randomly. Nice. And you, but you do forget that. Uh, so myself and Dale are also on team disc dot of Gannon Burr. So he doesn't miss pets, you know, that, that little, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that little plastic ball, you know, he, he, he's, he's not missing. Yeah. He's a laser with the putter. <laughs> And also, I think so many people are inspired by. I think he's the first people we, uh, person we saw to do the sort of the the puffing the chalk bag near the basket. Now I I do that now because <laughs> when when when, like, when I first when at Vegas, obviously when he was just he was cashing chains 
all weekend. Yeah. And he was doing that. And I was thinking, why wouldn't you do that? That's genius. And I think a few other people, um, even on the Pro Tour, have said, why is no one doing this? Why is no one yeah. testing the wind with chalks? I think, um, yeah, someone that's come in at such a young age and was like, yeah, this is how disc golf's played by the way, guys. Yeah. No, it's a it's a very, very smart way to check the wind. I, I'm usually a, a dirt kicker or uh, just toss up some grass or something. But if I... Yeah, that's definitely a, a very... If I really needed to know, I'd probably grab my chalk bag like that after seeing Gannon. <laughs> nice. So, obviously, let's sort of keep that sort of prodigy family vibe going. Now, something that um, well, I think is not, not a secret to this golf world is that there was a couple of sort of bodies that sort of transitioned away from prodigy this year, obviously, in Katrina <laughs> Allen and, uh, and Chris Dixon. Um, is there a vibe within the sort of the prodigy team within the prodigy family of that space to fill now are people thinking oh wait you know what those names are gone this is our chance to sort of come up fill those spots that potentially they were filling now i know uh, i mean oh, i think talking about gannon burr i think he's just had an incredible season um already and i think like you've got to think that he's already sort of on on, on that on that path to be sort of prodigy's golden child you know how yeah I, don't want, don't want to think, think about yeah. young years. The, the prodigy, prodigy. Yeah. Um, but is there a sense of um, yeah? Is there a sense that okay, the opportunities are now there because obviously every every manufacturer has their has their sort of their poster child, right? Discraft have Paul McBeth. Obviously, DJ now have Katrina Allen. You have and Innova have Calvin Heimberg. Do you feel like that that gap at prodigy is open to be filled? I mean, I think like Kev, Gannon, Kale, like those are probably like the the top three that are up there. But yeah. I mean. I don't know when, when like, obviously we're bummed to, to lose like Matty O, Chris, Katrina and stuff, but it, it almost made our, our team our like, it's, it's such a small close knit, like actually like family feel where just like a good camaraderie and everyone, everyone talks to everyone. And it's, it's been super cool this year to get like even closer with everyone. And like all the team dinners are just a blast. And, uh, but I mean, I don't, I don't know uh how much how much of a gap of a gap there is i think we have a few a few solid people at the top and some some up-and-comers some some good people right around in like the 10 20s i mean i mean the robinson brothers are so young Ezra or uh um alden harris so young he's been killing it this year too but i mean i and i think prodigy has like the most oh what it's like the most top 10 finishes or top 25 but like it we we just keep i mean even thomas gilbert um consistent yeah yeah we we just always like consistently having a handful of people in the top top portion percentage and luke humphreys obviously killed it at the beginning of this year and still is and yeah it, it's i think i think we have a really solid team and i i think just because there aren't those like 1040 rated guys or anything it's it's a we get a little underlooked but the, we have a lot of consistent finishes for sure as a team yeah I think Prodigy is becoming more and more popular it's certainly very popular over in Europe um, they do a lot of a lot of stuff over there and, and you know we've got two Prodigy sponsored people in the UK so um, you know the first well I'd say yeah the first proper disc sponsorships in the UK come from two professionals uh, Rachel Turton and Jamie Matthews you know coming from Prodigy so it's, it's definitely I see Prodigy about the cliche being that Prodigy you know the up and coming talent usually get picked up by them. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, and like you said, yeah, I mean, Gannon, Gannon's just going to, he's got a great head on his shoulders too. And he's 
just, I mean, the knowledge that kid has at such a young age and he's just going to keep progressing. And, um, yeah. And I mean, he's literally just prodigy's prodigy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how, how did you sort of get tangled up with prodigy? What was, what was the story there? Um, so when was it? I think it was, yeah. See, like, I don't know. I'd always been like, even that's why I chose D because I was like for wrestling, I could have went to like, I, I was between like Iowa state and then two D three colleges, which is Wartburg, which they're always like at the top. And then uh central who's like, I, I think when I went there, they're like 12th or something in the nation. And I was just like, got drawn to central and uh, like, I just always kind of get pulled toward these like smaller close knit teams where the, the chemistry is just like unreal. And you're not just a number. You're, you're like someone that actually will get treated well and, and cared about. And, uh, and so I'd always been interested in prodigy just because they kind of did keep a, a slightly smaller team. And I, I just like from afar thought the guys on a team would be, be awesome to to like be on the same team with and i was right but gannon lives like 30 minutes away from me and so i kind of talked to talk to him about it a little bit and uh and yeah and then reached out to reach out to prodigy and they said they'd love to have me on the team and i told him like as soon as i graduate i'm heading out to portland getting a van and like doing the back half like everything from portland open on and that's exactly what we did and then yeah, and then round two this year, and I'm I couldn't couldn't be any happier with uh, with my choice. And leading on from that, what what is the end of of 2022 look like? Obviously, USCGC's in the bag, done, qualified. You know, yep. are, are you you continue with that full tour? You going you going all out? Yep, yep. Um, I say I was gonna. I just dropped uh, 303 open because I was going to, that was going to be another like USDGC qualifier chance. But um, after DDO now, that's, that'll be like the closest I'll be to being able to go back to Iowa. So I'm going to take like a week off there and plan all the West coast stuff through Oregon. And then I have like another week off that I'll probably take. And then the preserve. And then I'll probably try to find a, a filler tournament. Cause there's like, again, another week off, but then from, the week yeah because it's like july third fourth weekend or something like that or july yeah yeah, um that one's the last off weekend and then i think it's like idlewild until uh uscgc i'm playing everything and i'm probably gonna yeah i don't know if i'll I'll be heading to like florida or anything after after that or if i'm coming back or but um disc golf pro tour finale too is definitely a goal of i keep keep working for and this weekend definitely definitely put me in a good spot to to work towards that now i don't know this for certain but i've got a theory that ko has a little switch and all of the baskets of the preserve that helps prodigy plastic find the chains a bit easier than all the other manufacturers so hopefully he's turned that on for the uh for this year's tournament oh yeah yep yep it's it's in there we got little magnets that attract our discs that's it well so so quickly with that though the how has has your has your attitude changed from this weekend? Because you mentioned that is it a case of right? Well, I saw what I did at the Champions Cup. I, I can t- I can take down an event this year. This is it's the doors wide open for me to walk through it. Or was that your sort of mentality going into the season anyway? Before that finish, thinking you know what, I'm just as good as these guys. I can take it down. Yeah, I mean, um, it definitely. 
I mean, it definitely didn't hurt. I think it, it changed my mentality. Cause like, I'm, I'm a realist and, uh, in the sense of like, I know what I'm capable of, like if I shoot crazy good and then I know what I'm capable of, like at my skill level. And, and I'm, I, I work really hard and I, I know what parts of my game I need to change. So I, I think I'm, I'm just going to continue to, to get better. And I, one thing I think that wrestling has helped with and like going to college and taking all these like different classes, like, and, uh, and like, um, and like what my coach, the biggest thing my coach in college would say is trust the process. And I think it's a lot of, it's really hard for a lot of people to sit back and trust the process because they want results now. But I mean, like even, even Waco earlier, like I knew that was, I mean, I'm, I'm bound to have bad weekends and, yeah. um, but it's how you bounce back. Like my game honestly felt pretty decent, but I just had some bad shots in the wind. And I mean, it's so easy to just have a handful of holes and shots that don't go well. And next thing you know, you don't have a good weekend. And so, but my game felt, felt fine there. And I just knew that those things that like that are going to happen, but it's how you bounce back from it. And, uh, and so I think trust in the process has definitely like helped, helped a lot. And, um, and yeah. And so, so I then yeah, back to, I guess what I was saying, I'm, I'm more of a realist of like, okay, I've just try to beat my goal of, so like prior best at a major was 49th. So I was like, just, just beat 49th. Cause like, this is better than, I mean, obviously I wanted the cash. So, I mean, uh, like top 25 is usually the goal on the ones that are like super tough. I try to set my goal like higher. So even if I fail, it's still like a success, but, uh, and then like at elite series, I, I would do, or I would go like, all right, like beat top 25 and just keep trying to set little personal bests until I was at the point to where like, okay, now you're competing. So this was a good eye opener to see that like I can, I can hang with the best over four rounds in arguably like the toughest field in that disc golf's ever had. And it was, uh, it was a, it was a good, good weekend for everything to kind of click and give myself some confidence moving forward. But now, now definitely my goals, I think have went up seeing what I'm capable of from tournament to tournament. Get yourself some cash as well. Yeah. Yeah. That was nice. <laughs> definitely. Definitely doesn't, doesn't hurt. Uh, did you, did you, uh, did you think after, is there one thing you wanted to buy? Were you like, right, I can go and get this now. I just won three and a half grand. Um, trying to think Petrol. nothing nothing <laughs> i mean i i uh i definitely want a a bigger van so i've i've been trying to save like just for like the next i mean in like a year or two or whatever cuz right now i'm just rocking a little like chevrolet city express and uh but i definitely want like a ram promaster eventually so i just kind of been saving everything there and then i obviously got student loans and stuff too so Nice to just keep like a bit like a, a a big cushion in the bank to fall back on, but um, no, I went went and got some ice cream that night. I'm a <laughs> big big foodie. Got to got to yeah. treat, treat myself. Love but, it. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, we, as you know, we've um, put out on our Instagram um, for our listeners to be able to ask you some questions. So we've picked out two of our listeners to get some questions to you. Uh, Dale, I think you have the uh, the first one, so why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so the first question is from Not Ideal Disc Golf, and they have asked, after shooting a crazy round like you did in round three, what do you do to stay mentally tough to follow that up with a strong performance the next round? Um, the biggest thing, I think, was 
because I started started six for six, and and I know I know how kind of in like I know it's obviously possible, and but I knew that the odds of me doing that again probably weren't super high, so I had to make sure that I like told myself that I wasn't going to get upset if I didn't start six for six because I started six for six and then I think I went par par par, and I was like, well, you can you can still get six down through nine in a very different way. So I was just kind of had to eliminate those expectations going into the round again. Like don't expect yourself to go six for six, just like try to let it happen and, uh, and stay in that just like calm, carefree, one at a shot time or yeah, one shot at a time zone. And, uh, and I think that's the biggest thing I tried to do was just limit the expectations of, like oh you have to do this again to to be able to compete so I, th- I think that's really um yeah i think that's really important i think I, i've seen people in tournaments in in so we don't really get more than two day events as standard over here in the uk but in two day events within the first like three holes someone getting really frustrated because maybe they took two bogeys back to back yeah but then you sort of you, you have to remind them it's like we have about 50 60 holes left of this weekend like uh like two or two holes is not going to dictate the pace of the weekend just so ignore that move on yeah because if, if, you, if you get if you get stuck after two holes it's going to be a very long weekend yeah that's the worst thing you can do is let previous shots dictate what you're about to do and like stray from your game plan to try to make up strokes is like and again like you can get hot anywhere on that course and birdie any hole so even if you were to take start like bogey 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 at the beginning of the tournament like there's no reason you couldn't come back and shoot like a like a seven down or something like that for the rest of the court but yeah a lot of people i think don't think like that and they they just try to quick make up the strokes and go into panic mode and straight from the game plan silly decisions they stop playing they stop playing golf that's yep. the yeah uh, that's what i say yep. um so we have a long time listener of the show now i've been saying his name wrong for about a year and a half now so i'm gonna get it right for the first time ever because he finally finally messaged me and said rob you you've been doing saying it wrong so Sam Piner, it's not Pinner, it's Piner. Um, he asks, he's, he's got he's got two questions. Um, a fun one and a slightly silly one. So the fun one or the, the serious one is favorite course to play and your favorite style of course to play. Um, I'll, I'll give a couple because if I gave you my actual one, it'd be pretty lame. Uh, w, like I, <laughs> I, I I said it before the tournament even started. As soon as I played Wr Jackson, I was like, this is my new favorite course. It's it was just so. It's so fun because I love the the scramble. Like, I hate artificial OB. I love courses to where you can still have a really good course and get punished from a bad shot, but are still able to, like, scramble, like, fairly. And that's exactly what – like, I love wooded golf because it's more satisfying to to hit your lines and, um, and not just throw open bombs that can spray anywhere in this vicinity. And, like, it might not have been – a good shot, but you're still in a Vegas. perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah. Vegas. Uh, I mean, d- yeah, more. Yeah, definitely Vegas. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, just, uh, like the only OBs that they had were maybe some, like some creeks or like, okay, you at least have to cross this creek just so like some stuff right off the tee, but ad- otherwise like just being able to scramble and be able to play golf and not get punished just by some white stakes um is i love those kind of kind of courses but otherwise before i'd played wr jackson um favorite courses are probably brewster ridge 
because again, it's another just wooded course that's uh, very scrambleable. Not a whole lot of OB and just bad shots. You'll get punished. Good shots are very rewarding. And uh, Macbeth's new course, uh, New London Tech. That was that was that course is sick. It's very very fun. Uh, he said he tried to. I mean, I've never played over in Europe, but he said he tried to kind of make it more European style, and it definitely had a whole different feel than any course I'd kind of played in the U.S. And I mean, I think I think the first round of the Battle for Bedford last year, B tier was plus four was thousand rated, and uh, wow. so was, yeah, super tough. But um, that was a really fun course too. And then Pickard Park in Des Moines. It's like 30 minutes from my house, but the gold layout is just so fun to play. And the Des Moines Challenge has easily become just like a one of my favorite tournaments, not only because it's like home, um, yeah. but it's just every shot's fun to throw. So you, you alluded there, obviously, Macbeth creating that as a, like a European-style course. Just to add in there, are we going to see it at Europe this year? Um, I'm seeing if I can possibly make... PCS Sula work, but um, there are just a lot of kind of uncertainties, uh, like when I was creating my schedule, and so uh, I don't think I'll be at Europe this year uh, or like European Open, but potentially PCS Sula that's still kind of up in the air. So I was, I was meant to be caddying for someone in Sula, and I've had to drop out because I can't make it anymore. So if you go, I'll be really jealous. So <laughs> you know, because I. Uh, I it's 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 in the plans for next year. It's gonna be it's a beautiful course. I need to make it over there. Yeah. Um. But uh, Sam's second question. Uh. So he says, does Gavin go shopping for shorts with Austin Turner and Reeve Frescura brackets? They all have the same <laughs> style, shorter style shorts for men. Oh, he uh, he left Tris and Tanner out of there too. But um. oh, how could he? <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I think that probably stems from the. From the wrestling background, I mean, I hate shorts that come even close to my knee, but because um, in practice they're always just like athletic shorts that are just like, I mean, probably probably short, like definitely shorter than what I was probably wearing <laughs> in the in coverage and stuff. But yeah, some nice seven inch inseams are are <laughs> perfect for comfortability. See, I've got a um, someone I work with in, in in my day job. He's a um, he's a competitive uh, weightlifter. So we, we were talking about sort of uh, the singlets that he wears, and I even joke saying uh, maybe I should try them out for disc golf for the aerodynamic <laughs> properties. Have you ever been uh, have you ever been tempted to whack on the old wrestling outfit for a round? I I have not. <laughs> I it, it, yeah I, I I try to get looser. I, I have a few golf shorts that fit like a little tighter, but I. I think my favorite pair that I have are like the Lululemon ones I wore final round. I just, they're just like nice and loose. But I think if I wore a, a singlet, it'd uh, definitely be a little hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd be interested to know if there's anything in the PDJ ruling that uh, you must be allowed to wear a, a full singlet, right? I don't know. There's nothing quite. Maybe in between I, the white lines. We we have to have sleeves, uh, sleeves for for men, and then. I don't know what the ruling is with, about tights for for the bottom, but I yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. So the last the last question I have because I think um as uh, as Dale alluded to right at the beginning, we it's not often we get a guest on the show so relevant. We do a lot of pre-recording, so actually this is going out um, only a few days from the point we're recording now. So everything is extremely extremely relevant. 
And I think it'd be a massive miss to ask your opinion on a potentially controversial take on the uh, Elaine King, Kristen Tatar child ruling. Now, is that? Do you have a uh, a controversial opinion, or what? what what's, your, what's your take on that? Because the world's going kind of crazy at the moment, trying to work out what went down. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think all the memes are hilarious, but <laughs> um, I don't know. It's it's one of those things that like it, it's it's so I don't know. Someone could have easily went about it in a different way and just like. War, I don't know. I feel like I feel like it was went about in a whole like different way. Like if if her daughter wasn't supposed to be there, then someone just be like, hey, like go up to her, just like, hey, just letting you know, like your daughter isn't supposed to be here, and then let her do instead of just like you can't be. I mean, I really don't even know the full details, but I I think I, I think a PDGA official should have been the one to maybe like go deliver that and let someone else. And if it really isn't a big problem, like I don't, I don't see the, the point in stopping any, anything. I don't know. It's just kind of a weird situation, but I definitely, cause, cause was Elaine the one to like message someone? Yeah, it seemed messaged, a little bit high schooly. Yeah. She so messaged, someone, messaged someone. Yeah. I'm going to say again, I don't, I don't know all the full like details or anything, but if she, if she was the one to message, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's. Uh, I feel like that's someone else's kind of place to to do that. And I mean, we're we're lucky to have the Europeans over here playing in the first place. So I mean, I don't think. And and I mean, that's got to be throw off her entire game. I mean, I'm I, I think if I heard that or heard this correctly, like as soon as that happened, she just kind of bogeyed a few holes. And I mean, it's it's got to turn your focus on the okay, like, I don't care, how, like, how I'm playing, like, is my, is my daughter fine? Like, what, what's she doing? And, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's got to be a hard situation to kind of be across, but I definitely think it could have went, uh, gotten handled in a slightly better way, for sure. I think maybe they, um, I was going, I was discussing this with my partner, and we were saying that surely there could be maybe some kind of special justification because actually what we want is we want as many Europeans to go over to the US and play as we obviously we want disc golf which is an international sport to be internationally competitive yeah um so it'd be it'd be a shame if childcare meant that we weren't getting the sort of the field that we could do if they were if they're allowed so maybe some um maybe some allowance uh, a little bit here and there isn't too bad I'm yeah I agree I, I, me, me, me personally I'm extremely flexible if someone foot faults during a tournament round I'll say to them I'll be like mate your foot was nowhere near that now I'm not going to call it just heads up <laughs> next next time maybe be within a metre of the disc because that's uh, a little bit wrong isn't it Dale <laughs> don't blame me <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh yeah God. what's he like what's he like well uh Gavin, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your, your busy schedule, getting ready for Jonesboro. Um, so first of all, good luck with that. Um, second of all, why don't you take this time to plug everything you have, all your socials, where we can find you, everything. Uh, yeah, then thanks for thanks for having me. It's been awesome. I love being able to share more about myself because obviously I'm a, I'm a new guy, but... Um, uh yeah so first sponsors i mean prodigy disc go check them out all the new discs we're dropping are so good and 
uh, Titan Disc Golf in Des Moines. Check them out online, uh, titandiscgolf.com, along with wanderdiscgolf.com uh, apparel. They got some sweet jerseys and, and all kinds of stuff. And uh, and then Sweets Kendamas. If you don't have a Kendama or don't know what it is, I mean, I highly recommend looking them up on YouTube and seeing what the pros can do or checking them out online at sweetskendamas.com. And, uh, oh, what was the last part? Just plug yourself away. Okay. I think that's all I got. I can't remember what else I was going to say. Where can we find you on social media? Oh, that's it. That's it. Uh, uh, Instagram's at Gavin Babcock seven. And then I mean, it's Facebook Gavin Babcock should be a picture of me smiling after a putt. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and I'm not too active on Twitter, but I think that's just at Gavin Babcock, the PDGA tagged the wrong account and uh had a pretty funny bio so don't don't (laughs) don't follow at gavin babcock (laughs) seven no problem well um hopefully we'll see plenty more smiles throughout the rest of the year um so we'll we'll certainly be keeping in touch and see how you're getting on so uh, until next time gavin thank you so much and we'll speak to you very soon thank you very much appreciate it ladies and gentlemen gavin there what a guy the guy has got a cool head on his shoulders um, and it's interesting his his approach to the game obviously he's very competitive his background in sport means that he wants to push himself but also he's I feel he's very relaxed you know very chilled about his progression almost knowing that he's going to get there he just doesn't know how long the journey is going to take you know you sort of say yeah. you know what it's going to happen I'm good enough to be at the top of this game um, I'm sure. playing well right now and that's all you can do he's almost treating it like you know it's a Kesara, Sarah, whatever will be will be and Exactly. I have no doubt we're gonna we're gonna be seeing him um, on lead cards again extremely soon. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. And uh, talking about people um, we've seen on lead cards, Rob, uh, we've got to give a shout out to Rachel Turton taking yes. down Copenhagen uh, last weekend. Now, for those who don't know, Rachel Turton is a, a UK female disc golfer. She's only been playing for about a year. Uh, she's, uh, she's I'd, very... I'd say about I'd say about two now. I think I think the uh, the she year. Always comes out to the year. She's I would say the, the I would say the year narrative was true a year ago. I, I'd say I'd All say right. coming up to two. Coming up to two years. Um, she is. I believe. I don't know if it's the time of, of this. I think she's fourteenth. Um, well, she's close to that, isn't it? She's very high up in Europe. Can you remember the number? I, I, I think it was 16th in Europe, 20-something in the world. But again, yeah. the, these stats change all the time. All the time. She's a very highly rated disc golf. Anyway, she went over to the first European Pro Tour event of this of the year over in Copenhagen in Denmark and, and took down the win. Now, that is massive for UK disc golf and it is even bigger for her because um, I don't think this is now going to be the end we see of, of Miss Turton. Oh, it's just the beginning. I mean... I, th- I think she has got her eyes set on Pro Tour very soon, Yeah, obviously. But uh, I think the big thing to remember is, although she's so highly rated and she is a phenomenal disc golfer, obviously day jobs still come into it. So it's holiday dependent. It's uh, dependent of a lot of factors. So I I believe that she's going to do what she can to get over there and hopefully we'll get her on the show extremely soon to maybe talk about that journey, talk about that experience. Because she... I mean, we saw her in the European Championships. She has what it takes to tango with these with these top dogs. You know, she was on lead card with Kristen Tatar. 
who is uh, who's over in the states and absolutely crushing. Now, I don't think we before the interview we didn't say for uh, for Leisure, and obviously Tatar took that down, um, but that ties in with this. We're seeing people outside of the US taking down events, you know. So Tatar's over there now taking on Pro Tour events. Arguably, if Tatar wasn't over there, she would have been she would have been a Copenhagen Open. So it's almost like a um, it's stepping stones, right? So Qatar's now gone to the US. We're sitting, we're going to see Rachel go to Europe and just dominate, I'm sure, and then she'll go over to the US. You know, uh, all roads lead to uh, the US, it seems. Oh, absolutely. So before we come on to our predictions for um, DDO this week, um, we are back competing next weekend, Rob. We are. Coming off a we fresh win, I will say. Fresh, you would say, yeah. Coming off a fresh win at the uh, Memorial. Well, you haven't won Memorial, but you did win a Memorial event. Um, Wait, actually, but, have, yeah. we, have we put an episode out since? No, since so why, why don't you chat through it? Well, I won't talk about the event. It was the Rick Taylor Memorial at Manchester. Um, Rick sadly passed away, but he was a member of the Manchester Disc Golf Club. So it was the... Longford Open, so that the same it's, it's the same tournament that's always held that time of year. It was the Longford Open. It was uh, renamed this year um, as a charity tournament, uh, but same one day, uh, same layout. Um, but yeah, like after after obviously Croydon spoke about have an absolute disaster. My ratings have absolutely tanked. Um, a lot of doubts around if MA two was the right move. You know, moving up to division, but this that that weekend I was able to sort of take home the win. So my first MA two win. Um, so going into, as we're about to say, going to Quarry Park this weekend, um, and uh, weekend after, weekend after, yeah, I get my yes. weekends mixed do up. Do not go to Quarry Park this weekend. Go the weekend after. I, I can do what I want, mate. I get my go and practice. <laughs> but no, we are going to Quarry Park, uh, arguably mecca of disc golf in the in the UK. Uh, you know, Derek Robbins Hall of Famer. Um, you know, beautiful property that's been designed for the for disc golf um my first every, time there every single tree on this property was planted by derek so it was completely flat i think it was sheep grazing field along the river avon but now there's beautiful fairways lined with trees obviously he's planted fast growing trees but the work he puts into this course is phenomenal it's a true disc golf course designed by a true disc golfer um and it's challenging it's not a it's not a given um, so that's what's going to be interesting because you're playing blind now. Yes, I played a tournament there um, last year. My first round, I wasn't able to get a practice round in. I was playing blind. I was, however, on a card with Dell, so AK Jack Robbins. So I felt like I was in very safe hands. You know, pick the line that he throws and throw the same line. Not that I can, but you know, <laughs> I can definitely make an attempt. Um, but it's a course that. It's it's bizarre. It's beginner friendly, and challenging for experts. It, it is it is the perfect mix. I think um, there's a lot of mix that uh, mix up between forehand and backhand. So I think you're not going to struggle too much. But just really really excited. Now the only scary part is a couple of holes along the river, which uh, you know you tend to throw a disc that you would be okay to lose. But there's also people diving in that river all the time and getting discs back. You know it's just such a great course. Um, the one thing I will say is probably is a a home advantage kind of course. Now we've spoke about this before, especially of Croydon. There's certain courses in the UK which is, if you are familiar with that course, you're going to have an advantage over some courses where, like Longford, you could just show up and play. And if you 
no disc golf, you play disc golf, you could comfortably shoot a rating. Quarry well, it's Park like Essex, is, isn't it? It's like yeah. when, the other day, cause I play Essex week in, week in, week out. And the other day when I said to you, I parked hole six, where I, I went past past, I actually lost a disc the first day. But uh, you was like, oh, what line do you take? I went, oh, under the tree on a flex forehand. And you're like, that line doesn't even exist. But you play it and play it and play it. And, you know, the person I played with was like, what? why did you even do that? I went, trust beforehand. I think what I said is that line doesn't exist in two months' time because that, <laughs> that, that, because I think that's fair. Right now, with no leaves on the tree, I understand the line. But if you know how six at Essex... But you also know how, how tight that line is now, still. It's still very... If you miss by inches, you're hitting, you're hitting the tree. God, give uh, Andrew Marweed a call. Someone's after a cookie. <laughs> mm. Give a dog a bone. Give a dog a bone. <laughs> Tell me it's good. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but no, uh, really looking forward to Quarry Park. Um, it's going to be, I think it's the furthest I've travelled for a tournament so far. Um, so until Texas this year. Until Texas this year, yes. Until I go and play a sort of flex start on the on, the, on a Monday um, with some complete randomers. If I don't get back, please find the police. Um, but no. Let's let's move on to our, our predictions uh, for DDO Emporia Country Club. It's a bomber course. I'm not going to lie. Um, it, it, if you can throw far, you're going to do well. Yeah. So I'll uh, I'll kick things off with MPO now. I want to pick Paul just because of the sort of the I'm tired of playing good. I want to play great. Sort of the comments that he's made. You've got to think that frustrations are there. Yeah. But you know, it's it's a bomber course. I, I think the time of Heimberg is truly upon us. I think Jonesborough has just Jonesborough has put a crack in the floodgates, which are about to burst. Um, and I truly think this year um, we're gonna it's gonna be a battle of Chris Dixon and Calvin Heimberg uh, at at the top. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my boy Vinny. You know, I don't think I picked him for for Jonesborough, and this, it's what yeah, I get. You know, before this happened to you before. You pick him week in, week out, and the week you don't pick him, he he, he wins. I don't know, maybe maybe I'm actually cursing him now. Maybe I shouldn't maybe pick him, are. and then and out out of love, I shouldn't pick him, um, and then he'll take home the win. But no, I think uh, I think Vinny, he's feeling hot right now. You know, he's got a new Innova Toro, which they've uh, they basically designed and made specifically for him to fill gaps in his bag. So I think he's feeling extremely complete uh, as a disc golfer. Um, so he's uh, he's my pick, and then Open Women, I think. You know what? One major probably equals two Pro Tour events. So I think Kristen Tatar is going to take it down. You know what? Champions Cup. It's behind her. She's not even thinking about it. She's going. She's going. James Brent. She's going. DDO back to back. Well, I, I think Paul's going to come out with a vengeance. Paul really likes Emporia. Um, or is he going to come back with an Avengers SS? He might. He might come out with an Avengers <laughs> SS. I'm not quite sure. A roller is going to be the play at Digo um, at Digo at, at DDO. Um, I'm torn between Paul and Ricky. And my reason for Ricky is because last year he played this tournament, just lost his sister. Um, and I think for him, it means a lot to him. So mm, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. Uh, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go Paul purely because of his last weekend. And I think he's going to want to come back. But caveat there, I think Ricky could take it down. And then for the for FPR, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Page. Um, I'm probably gonna pick Page most weeks purely because I think she's on one this year. 
when she's hot, she's hot. But when she's not, we've seen it you know, last week. She just wasn't. But again, she loves she loves DDO. Everyone loves Emporia. Um, it's a great course. Yeah, it is. But it's a bit annoying we're going to see it again this season because we're Welders. So at least it's a little bit spread out this time. Because last, last year, didn't we? We had um, the Utah Open and then the week after we had Welds. So at least it's spread out. Uh, but yeah, there are picks. And uh, we'll see how we get on. I think they're fairly fairly comfortable. Well, another now, point I'm going to make is I think Brody, Brody Smith will play well here. He he averages 20 points above his rating when he plays on uh, when he plays at DDO. Well, there you go. So uh, they, the dark horse may just may, be that. May enter. It's where he might get his USCGC spot. That's what I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think, I, I think I'm pretty sure he will get a spot this year. I, 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 I hope you know, so. I hope I think, so. I think, well, I think we've uh, we've seen Gavin Babcock. We've seen we've seen people, yeah. um, obviously, USCGC, you need to p- just pull out one incredible performance. Um, and and I it think, doesn't always uh, have to be a Pro Tour event. There is some Silver Series that will give him, I think, the spot that he needs. Because Pe- as soon as people get qualified, they're going to start pulling out tournaments. Edgewood's already said it. They said, once I've got USDGC, I don't need to play the smaller tournaments, which means less people are playing them, you've got more chance of qualifying. No, exactly that. And also, uh, Brody Smith, he's a chess player, right? So he's going to play, well, mental chess. Um, he's going to, he's gonna, I think, play the tournaments that are going to get him a spot at USDGC, give him a, a, a spot on that platform. Speaking of uh, being given a spot on a platform, obviously, this is our opportunity to thank our sponsors, people that allow us to do this bizarre waffle that we call a podcast so of course we've got to give a shout out to ace disc golf now they have just as of time recording got an incredibly large disc craft order in as well as some mystery boxes they put out on their instagram which we have no idea what they might be so keep an eye out on ace they've got some new cool stuff coming in i know i've got some things that i'm hoping that they could bring in soon which i've got some pennies stashed away for um but yeah, use our code AMSIDE5, get yourself 5% off anything you order from Ace. The guys are great. If you have any questions, their customer service is unmatched. And also they've got uh, Ace Rewards, which I don't think we've talked about on the show before, which is every time you order, you get points. And these points can be redeemed for things like shipping as well. So you don't always have to pay shipping. Once you've sort of uh, you built up enough points, you can get free shipping on, on sort of various, there's various shipping options as well. So sort of, priority shipping larger goods shipping um so they're obviously doing everything that they can to make the disc slash disc golf accessory buying experience as pleasurable as it possibly can be points mean prizes at the end of the day points exactly mean that prizes no one likes paying free uh, for, for shipping so get yourself those points and get yourself some free shipping but also we've we've also got a uh, thanked um, a long-term sponsor of the show backhand disc golf um, backhand of of kicked us out this year. If you ever see us uh, at tournaments, we've got our tournament shirts, which make us look like a NASCAR driver. I absolutely love it. I'm here for that. Um, you know, their their apparel is is very good. It's very comfortable. It's lightweight. It's breathable. Um, you feel like a professional whilst wearing it. Um, so make sure you go and check out them because they're doing big things they've just dropped sort of a women's line um, and I, I think it's the first dedicated women's line for disc golf clothing in the UK so make sure you go and uh, crack on and, and have a look over there and speaking of women's line obviously we're delighted to be official media partner of Throw Pink this year 
Throw Pink are doing incredible things for women's disc golf and just great things in general. If you want to go check out what they're doing, go just Google Throw Pink Disc Golf. They are an amazing organization. Sarah leading the helm, just doing incredible things. And we are so excited to be a part of that. Um, I believe we've got some Throw Pink giveaways coming out very soon. So make sure you check our Instagram because basically we want to we want to do what we can to, to support the growth of women in disc golf. I think there was a stat came out sort of uh, beginning of the year and it's been read in different ways. Um, but uh, so it sort of it was the it was the split male to female sort of uh, members within the PDGA, but also the growth. And it was about 50% growth in the FPO just last year alone. So obviously people are doing the right things. Uh, we've got organizations over here in the UK, organizations like Throw Pink, they're in the States, just dedicated to growing the game because when a grain, when the game grows in one aspect, it grows in all aspects and we all benefit. Oh, 100%. We, we're very excited to be partnered with Throw Pink. Um, but yeah, make sure you go and check out all of our social medias, all at the Amside Disc, uh, the Amside Disc Golf, the Amside Podcast. We've just ran probably our largest giveaway we have seen. Uh, nearly, I think, two and a half thousand entries, um, which was huge. We're so close to hitting two thousand uh, followers, which for us was an end of year goal. So the fact we we could do that halfway through the year, I don't know about you, Rob, but that excites me. That's incredible. The giveaway got so many entries that uh, someone created a fake account to try and scam people that entered. That's when you know you made it. That is when you know you made it. That's when you know you made it. Now, obviously, we made sure we messaged everyone that inquired to see if it was a real account, and we don't condone scamming or frauding anyway. And it was obviously uh, apologies to anyone that may have given any information. We obviously urge people not to give any information. And I think the majority of our listenership sort of clued on and that and they just messaged us just to make sure that uh it wasn't legit but um yeah it's obviously imitation is the greatest form of flattery so we're uh we just can't wait to bring more giveaways more content more great stuff make sure you go check it out yeah we're, we're definitely gonna be running more giveaways this year that is for sure but um it's time to close out the show uh it's been another great week of disc golf we've got another great couple of weeks coming up we can't wait to talk about uh, how we got on at quarry park um, in a couple of weeks' time with another great guest. But until then, if we don't see you on the course, we'll see you on the AM side.